Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week, your audio almanac of all the fish. It's Monday, April 24th, 2023, and we're on a week-by-week tour of fish across the country with guests from all walks of life. I'm Katrina Liebick with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Eero, and this week we're heading to jolly old England to join our British cousins in celebrating the coronation of their new king by discussing the historically fascinating European River Lamprey. And our guests, like Guy mentioned, are all the way from England. We're honored to welcome Paul James and Alan Myatt. Alan is the city of Gloucester's town crier, for which he actually holds a couple of Guinness Book of World Records. And he's also organized past Lamprey Pie events. And Paul's an enthusiastic supporter of local history and a previous city council leader. We are very excited to learn more about this tradition of the Lamprey Pie and how lampreys are woven into the history of the royal family and beyond. So warm welcome. We are very excited to talk to you. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Tally-ho. <laughs> Away we go. So this is our fourth lamprey episode and a new time zone record for us with Alaska and England being nine hours apart. And what's cool is if you were to travel from Alaska to the Pacific Northwest, to the Midwest, to the Northeast, and across the pond to England, you're going to be in lamprey country. And if you've been listening along, you're probably starting to recognize some themes like the fact that lampreys are important as food. We've learned from our guests like Jeremy Five Crows and Kelly Coates, for example, about Pacific lamprey being a really important first food for indigenous peoples. And that said, we really just want to kick it to you both and hear more about this lamprey pie tradition. Greetings and felicitations from the ancient and noble cathedral city and port of Gloucester the fortifying gateway to South Wales and the West. I have been commanded by the right worshipful, the mayor of Gloucester, to greet you all and welcome you all to this radio show. We're going to tell you all about our world-famous lamprey pies, which will be presented to His Britannic Majesty, King Charles III. Yeah, that puts our <laughs> intro to shame. Declare it. <laughs> All right, so tell us about this pie. Yeah, so just going back to the start, so back in, in medieval times, lampreys were a delicacy that were enjoyed by the wealthy. And the reason the lamprey pie tradition of giving it to the monarch came about was because people in Gloucester wanted to get in, in the good books for the king of the day. They wanted to be on the right side of them. So there was a tradition back in those days that a lamprey pie was presented to the monarch each year at Christmas. Hmm. So I think it was in the 19th century. The tradition died out. It was discontinued because of the expense of it. It was all felt to be too much. And then it changed to just being given on special occasions, so coronations and jubilees. Hmm. So in the recent times, there have been a few of them because we've had a long reigning monarch until sadly... Uh, she passed away last year. So we've had a Diamond Jubilee in 2012, Platinum Jubilee in 2022. And in between that, in 2015, we also sent one because Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II became our longest reigning monarch. And we thought mm-hmm. that was a special enough Worth occasion to to deserve a pie. Awesome. Who ate all the pies? Ah, ah. Very interesting you talk about um, the uh, monarchs. Back in um, the, the Middle Ages, in 1135, I remember correctly, Henry I had a surfeit mm-hmm. of lamprey pie, and thank God it wasn't 
English lampreys, it was French lampreys, and the poor man died of food poisoning. But that's, a, that's another story for another day. It is. It is. But, but the lampreys in this country are protected. You can't touch swans, and you can't touch lampreys. I mean, they're plug ugly anyway. <laughs> and when, when you look at them, I mean, you wouldn't want a romantic liaison with a flipping lamprey. <laughs> it's like having a night out with Dracula. Apparently, they're bloodsuckers as well, you know. They're, they're beasts when they get older. you. But um, they're royal, protected in this country, and you can, for the love of money, even touch them. That's why back in um, uh, 2002, uh, a local journalist by the man of name of Martin Kirby contacted the Great Lakes over there in Canada, where they're a nuisance, aren't they? They're, they're an mm-hmm. absolute pest. And um, you would gladly get rid of them, and you sent them our way. And then back in uh, 2012, we had some more lampreys sent from the Great Lakes. During our sea lamprey episode, Mark Gain from the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, who's also a history buff like you two, he was talking about the lamprey pie and shipping sea lamprey from the Great Lakes where they're invasive overseas. And I just thought it was really cool to make that connection between one of the lamprey species we have here in North America with the lamprey situation in the UK. I got a call about the year 2000 uh, for a jubilee year for... uh, that Queen Elizabeth was going through and they said, well, we need to make a pie and now they're now protected in the UK. So we can't make a lamprey pie to present to the queen, which we've been doing almost unabated since uh, the middle ages. Can you help us? And I was like, yeah, how many do you want? Uh, we sent over the pie and we did the same thing in 2012. From which of our lakes are these British people buying our lampreys? Well, you know, um, what I told the folks in Gloucester is that uh, we'd get them from a trap out of Lake Huron, which would um, essentially, you know, 50-50 chance that it came from a Commonwealth country, you know, so it'd be a good Canadian lamprey. Uh, yeah, so when the lampreys were coming through customs, the, the customs officer must have thought, this looks a bit dodgy, some kind of packy. Yeah, must have looked a bit fishy, maybe smelled a bit fishy. And, and I was in the pub having a drink at the end of the day with a friend of mine and my phone went and I answered it and it was customs officer and they mm-hmm. said, oh, we've got this package. What's it all about? Why, why are you getting a package of fishy things from uh, North America, Canada? I said, well, you might not believe me if I tell you, but there's a go in the pie for the queen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether they believe me or not, but they did mm-hmm. let them through. So we were able to make the pie. Oh, they finally got through. And then um, a member of the royal family received that, that pie. He came to Gloucester. Yeah, so we had a service oh, wow. in the magnificent Gloucester Cathedral yeah. for the Diamond Jubilee, and that was attended by Prince Edward, so yeah. the late Queen's youngest son, who's just been made the Duke of Edinburgh. So he came with his wife, Sophie, the Countess of Wessex. And that pie, it was very ornate. So the pastry it was all in the shape of Gloucester Cathedral. Cathedral. And it, 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 you may not know Gloucester Cathedral, but there's a lot to it. It's a big building with lots of you know different elements to it, doors and towers and windows and everything. And this was all made in a very ornate way by a couple of the staff that worked for the council in one of our museums. And we presented it to Prince Edward and Sophie outside the cathedral mm-hmm. uh, before this special service that was taking place. And then they took it back with them to the palace in their helicopter. Oh, yeah. wow. We also had a bit of a pantomime with the uh, Platinum Jubilee. We had a launch 
and, a, and a, a ceremonial with Imagine the Queen's Lord Lieutenant Edward Gillespie, who came to the ceremonial, you know, received the pie, and it was presented to a community organization and group that does philanthropic work and looks after homeless people and vulnerable people because I think they've had too many lamprey pies go in the bucket of palace. And it was their wish that we would find another home for it, really. But they it was still received hmm. on behalf of the monarchy. But the, it was distributed to the people. But the presentation took place at Secunda Alantoni Priory, a medieval priory. And we're all there. The TV crew are there, the Lord Lieutenant's there, the county ice sheriff, the mayor, all the brass. And was it the Farmer's Boy Public yeah. House who specialised in pies? They sent it to Lansdowne's Secunda Priory in flipping Wales. And it was about 40 or 50 miles away, and we're all standing there. And I had to do what you do in show business. I basically speaking, I had to entertain them for an hour while they got it from Wales to brought it back to Gloucester. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was in a slightly different way. So, yeah. so we had the lampreys represented in pastry on, I forgot okay. well, yeah. on the crust of the pie, and th that was rather than importing them on that occasion because of the, the environmental concerns about the flights and all that, and the carbon footprint. Yeah. Should I say a carbon slither? Because I mean, they, they don't walk to the lampreys and they, they slither around, don't they? And the instruction we had from the palace was that they wanted it something that could be eaten, as Alan was saying, by mm. people locally in in need but yeah it was funny when it went to the wrong Lansley Priory because there's a story about Lansley Priory because there's the original one in Wales which is where it went off to and then this is back in the 12th century the monks who lived in uh, uh, the original Lansley Priory they kept getting attacked by the locals in Wales so they fled and came and established a second Lansley Priory which they called Lansley Second because it's second I never knew that bit Oh, yeah, that's right. Could be, yeah. No, you're living there, don't you? Yeah. So they fled to Gloucester, and that was their new home. So that still exists, but there's still ruins of the original Lansley Priory over the border from us in Wales. So it's actually not that far apart. You know, they forced you 50 miles. Far enough. Um, far enough. But yeah, you're the poor chef who made it set off in the wrong direction. I think he might have put like Lansley Priory into his satinav or something, and then off he went to Wales, the, the Welsh one. But yeah, the people that made it then was, as Alan was saying, from the Farmer's Boy pub in this place called Longhead, just outside Gloucester. And they're famous for their pies. They've got a company called Mad About Pies. And mm -hmm. the guy that runs it is Irish. And his, his name's Phil the Pie Man. Phil the Pie Man Kiernan. Uh, so he's our local pie experts. That's yeah. awesome. So a lot of our audience is obviously going to be American. And when they hear Gloucester, they might be thinking of the second Gloucester up there in Massachusetts. Could you mm -hmm. real quick ground us where we are? And considering that we're talking about lamprey, which is a species that usually relies on rivers, I'm guessing there might be a big river near where Gloucester is. Can you talk a little bit about that? We have the River Severn here in Gloucestershire, and it goes into the Bristol Channel, which feeds into the English Channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're on the River Severn. I mean, Gloucester is really, its original name was Glebham because it was a Roman colonai. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. A funny thing happened on the way to the Forum, and it's always happening here, I can assure you. Yeah, we're a Roman <laughs> city, you know? And and, that, and that's why Gloucester was created by the Romans because of the River Severn and it being the lowest crossing point over the river to Wales. 
So the River Severn, which is where you know, Lampreys did come from originally. But in terms of where we are, for your listeners, so we're in Broadtails, we're kind of 100 miles west of London. Okay. That's Gloucester, you know, but we got we got the, another pie or pies in the offing, haven't we, Paul? Well, we do, that's right, because we've got the coronation coming up. So Of the king. And we like to come up with a little, you know, a new twist on it for each occasion where we can, whether that's a shape or design of it or exactly what it's made of. I think so the details of exactly what we're giving the king for the coronation are still under wraps at the moment. So you have to watch yeah. Use yeah. What, what we finally come up with. But yeah, we like to keep the tradition, you know. But there, with the, the, just to let you know, there will be a, a, an organic one, but there'll also be one that will, will never pass its sell-by dates. It's a good way of putting it. We usually ask a question like if you had the fish in hand, what would it look like? And we'd be happy to hear about that from either of you. But also, I'm just curious no. if I had this pie in front of me, how big is it typically? And can you normally see the lampreys? Or are these sweet or savory pies? Like, so you have the actual lamprey or in the pie? Or how- just, common, just commoners don't know, you see, because we don't get a chance to have a go at it. They don't try it. By the time they're prepared and cooked, it's just sort of a, a mush. Okay. If you follow my reading, you know, it's filleted and huge. Hmm. And then it has a nice jelly around it, you know, it's like like a but like you probably have veal and ham pies there, pork pies there, don't you? That's a savory type of pie. You got it, you got it. And it's very much like that, you see. Okay. With lots of herbs and spices. And these pies do last. You know, it'll go off, you know, you know, they could have them hanging around for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Because the jelly inside, you know, it's, it preserves everything. It's to, they weren't stupid when they used to make pies in the old days. Yeah, they had to preserve them better. And I, I'll have big pies, I mean, uh, 20 inches okay. from one side to the other, you know, about a foot high. But, uh, yeah, the, but the lampreys themselves, I think we mentioned, that they're, they're not attractive-looking creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get them before they're cooked on that... But yeah, how would you describe them, Alan? But love ugly. Yeah, <laughs> love ugly. Not nice. <laughs> you wouldn't want a romantic liaison, one, would you? <laughs> no. We have a clip actually from Steve Coglin describing the lamprey. Maybe we want to cue that one yeah, super yeah. quick. Well, the sea lampreys are alien-looking. They look like a uh, snake with a grotesque alien mouth, uh, ringed with sharp teeth and a a sharp tongue in the middle that acts like a drill that teeth anchor uh, in the side of a fish. The mouth is a suction cup. It's a very strong suction cup. The tongue in the middle flicks out and drills its way through the scales and skin of the fish so the lamprey can feed on the fish's blood and body fluids. They are pretty nasty looking creatures. Does that about fit the description for you guys too? As I remember them. That's yeah. it. So, yeah. Chug, just like my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how lamprey were chosen. So you've got a few different fish, obviously, that revisit these rivers and spawn there and everything. But how were lamprey chosen? Do you guys have the history on that? Well, I think just to go back to that time when they were such a delicacy for the wealthy people in the medieval times. And probably rarity, really. I don't know. Hmm. But over there in Canada, they're prolific and they're a pest, aren't they? Yeah, the sea lampreys, at least, are native to the East Coast. But they've come through into the Great Lakes where they're not native and they're causing problems there. Yeah. While we're bringing it up, there's several different species of lampreys out there. 
And in this case, the ones coming up in the Great Lakes, those were invasive sea lampreys. And the ones that we we're talking about over in England that were historically used, I believe those were European river lampreys, which it sounds like they're endangered in England. What I was kind of curious about, though, is there a particular reason why Gloucester was the lamprey pie pipeline to the king? If you were landlocked and you had no rivers or streams, you were buggered where you, you, you couldn't give the Fair king enough. a good yet. You know, we're just on the river. That's the way it works. Well, and if we go back to the medieval times, Gloucester was one of the most important cities in the country, yeah. along with London and Winchester. And the king used to come here and, and hold court yeah. every every yeah. Christmas. Yeah. So we oh, had really? that long, tra- oh yeah, yes, we, long tradition. We, we, of, uh, we chapter out the cathedral. The Doomsday Book was partially compiled here in Gloucester as well. So, you know, especially William the Conqueror, he had his winter courts here because they used to progress around the country, didn't they? You know, they used to keep everybody in line. They would go here, they would go there. But Gloucester, for some reason, they used to have their winter court here. You know, probably here for the 12 days of Christmas. And then move on somewhere else. Everywhere they went, it cost whoever was hosting it a fortune. Oh, yeah, I But don't forget, this city had, had, had about three or four monasteries here. You had the Grey Friars, the Black Friars, you name it. White Friars. The Augustine and White Friars. And the Augustines uh, and, and the Benedictines. No, five about five monsters here. And don't forget, that was a civil service that they were responsible for administration and local government. So there was plenty of hospitality here. Huh. Yeah. On the actual day of the coronation, can you give us just a sense of how the pie kind of makes its way through that day? And is there any, yeah, any kind of cool details about the well, actual day of and how it's presented? Paul will tell you a bit. I know what's going to happen on the day here in the main square. One of the chapters, Hash Norak, who, who does a lot of good work with homeless people and vulnerable people and lonely people, he's going to organize a, a street party for these people in our square because everybody's going to be doing their own thing here, there, and everywhere because that's what we do. Every little community... Every little neighborhood group will be doing something. And uh, the pie will be going there. And uh, I'll be working with the mayor or the sheriff. And we will have a ceremonial. We love dressing up here. We've been dressing up for donkeys here. We're very good at dressing up. And the brass will all turn out. We'll have a good old hoo-ha, a good old ceremonial. Everybody have a good old drink. There's plenty of drinking going on and all that. And the pie will be distributed. But we'll make sure... It's done in such a way that they all feel part and parcel of what's going on, which is what it's all about, really. That's but cool. Ceremonially, it gets presented to the Lord Lieutenant. So the Lord Lieutenant is the king's representative in our county. Edward so Gillespie. His name's Edward Gillespie. Yeah. But the pie doesn't actually take part in the coronation itself. And of course, okay. the coronation this time, we haven't had one for 70 years, of course, but um, the no. coronation is a much slim down affair in terms of the length of time it takes and the number of people involved compared with the last one in 1953. But the one connection I would say about Coronation and Gloucester is Lanthony Priory, where we presented uh, a pie for the Plasnum Jubilee. That was founded by a chap called Miles of Gloucester. And uh, Miles of Gloucester was the first Lord High Constable of England. And the Lord High Constable of England is one of the great offices of state of the United Kingdom. 
only appointed when there is a coronation. I don't know who's going to be appointed to that role. We did make the case it should be someone from Gloucester because of that historic connection. Whether that will happen or not, I don't know, but it'd be quite fun if it did. Yeah, that's cool. So, Alan, what are your Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, let's hear it. I've got two Guinness records. Back in 1990, I've been in town choir 35 years. And a year or two into being in the town choir, I used to be a ground worker, not a hub carrier. And I used to do the town choir on the weekend. And I used to go to these little competitions as well, where very much like being Miss World, you know, best dressed and vocal endurance and how you stood and stance and volume and clarity. There's no and the contents of your, the winner of that, <laughs> and your contents of your proclamations. I got fed up with this after a year. And so I decided to have a go at making myself the world's loudest town choir. Mm-hmm. And I did a hundred word proclamation in glossy dots on the specially constructed scaffold, a hundred word proclamation every 15 minutes for 48 hours. Dang. And over that period, I was on average about 100, 203. I managed to get 112.8. I only sank below 90 decibels on one or two occasions. And I became the loudest town choir in the world. Guinness Book of Records gave me all the instructions. I had a special scaffold built. Another scaffold was built a very distance away with a decibel machine. I had marshals. I could to see the sun go down, and the sun come up, the sun go down, and the sun come up. And do you know what? The clocks went forward or backwards. I think I had to do an extra hour. Oh, man. So I got it too. Nobody's ever changed the records off me. That's cool. What do you want folks listening to kind of take away in terms of the history of lamprey in England and the UK? Are there anything, any messages you want to get out to people about the pie or about the fish that we haven't talked about yet? It's just a special tradition that goes back many centuries and we want to make sure that we keep it alive and that as we've said the lamprey in this country are a protected species so we can't use those so even Mm -hmm. if up in the great lakes they might be a bit of a a pest and you know annoy people just try and forget that for a moment and imagine the great delicacy that they were in this country in medieval times and yeah, yeah to, so think of them in that way, that delicacy and used by people you wanted to get in the good books of the monarch. Okay. Guy, do you have any more questions? Well, I'm just trying to think if there's any more. So I think I read somewhere, I mean, it was kind of elucidating when you talked about them having their winter court over there, why it was sort of a Christmas tradition. Yeah. Wasn't there one year where you guys didn't give them the I pie read about and that. got fined for it? Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Oh, well, I, I, come on. There were, that, that, that was before our time. That was in the 13th. <laughs> century but yeah apparently the city got fined at 40 marks which was equivalent to about forty thousand pounds these days for not doing it so this is why it's so important that we make sure the traditions at powder we do present the pies to the monarch because well i don't think the city's got the money in the coffers for a week fine like that at the moment no 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 they're brass it <laughs> yeah well thank you both so much. This has been very interesting. And yeah, we've been really excited just to learn about the tradition. So thank you. Yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you. Have a, have a nice day. Uh, well, that's nice in McDonald. All right. Get out there and enjoy all the fish, especially the lampreys. We know they're all across yeah, North America and over into the UK. So we hope you enjoy them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebeck and my co-host is Guy Arrow. 
Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar, produced and story edited by Tasha A.F. Lindley. Production management by Gabriella Montequin. Post-production by Alex Brower. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Office of Communications. We honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individual tribes, states, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish. We've got loads of crazy traditions here. Chasing a cheese down the hill. I've been to that one. I've been to that one. You've been here. You've been here. I've been, been to Cooper's Hill, man. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. Yo, oh, you yeah. Got your well, you have it. You've chased. You've been down here, have you? Well, I have. <laughs> the thing they don't tell you, you know, obviously it's a steep. They don't talk about all the stinging nettle that's on there, though. Well, that's your flipping forward. If you want to go down the hill and you've got to what see, that's it's a good time. The woolsack races. I mean, it's also all crazy stuff. But we like tradition. You know? And and those people who live overseas who come to live here making their home, they enjoy it as well.